0: Before we get to today's episode, I want to ask you guys for a big favor. If you could leave a rating or review wherever you listen to this podcast, Apple, Spotify, anywhere else, it goes a long way. It helps other people find the show, and it lets us know that we're doing something right. Okay, let's get to today's episode. You're listening to Making It with John Davids. Welcome to the show. I'm John Davids. And today, I'm going to tell you why you should not raise venture capital for your business. And before I tell you why you shouldn't raise venture capital, I'm going to tell you why you should. Now, there's a very, very specific reason why you would want to raise VC for your business. And I know a lot of young entrepreneurs just starting out think that whatever their business is, it's perfect for venture capital. And the truth is, it's not. But I've been there. I've thought that too. I thought when I started my first company, which was a media company, an online publishing business, I thought, Oh, I've got to raise venture because I want to scale this. I want to hire a ton of people. I want to have a big exit. And the truth is, that was not a venture-ready company. It was not a business that was ever going to flourish with venture capital backing. And there are a few instances why you would want to raise venture capital, but there are so many more where you'll be way better off. It doesn't matter if your goal is to build a big company, if your goal is to make a lot of money, if your goal is to sell it. None of those things should come into mind when you're thinking about whether or not to raise venture capital. You can do all those things. You can sell a company. You can get very rich. You can build a big business without venture. So I'm going to tell you why you should and why you shouldn't raise venture capital. And I'm going to do that right now. So first off, the venture game works really, really well in winner-take-all markets. So if you think about the classic examples, Amazon, Facebook, Google, Netflix, Uber, these types of companies had a really binary outcome. It was either they were going to win really, really big, or they were going to go out of business. Right. It's very, very unlikely that Facebook in second or in third place was going to exist. I mean, look around. Is there a number two or a number three to Facebook? I mean, today there is. You know, today you can make the argument there's TikTok. There's obviously Instagram, which is also owned by Facebook. If it wasn't, it probably wouldn't be around today in its current form. And then who else is there? I mean, there's like Twitter, but that's a very distant player from behind, there's Snapchat, there's a few others, but really there's Facebook and they are the dominant social network. Look at Google, number one in search engine with an overwhelming majority and the only other players that even compete are also owned by major conglomerates. So look at Bing, which is also a player with a a very small share of the market, and it's owned by Microsoft, one of the biggest companies in the entire world. Netflix, Amazon, you can make the same argument. So when you're in a winner-take-all market, yes, you need venture capital. Why? Because you need the money to capture market share as fast as possible. This is absolutely critical when it comes to building a company at scale where speed to market is actually the most important thing. You've got to have a good product, not the best in market product, but you've got to have a good enough product, and you've got to be able to scale it as fast as possible. If you look at a lot of companies... I can think of one right now. I can think of task management. So think about a category like task management or project management. Asana, A-S-A-N-A. Asana is one that is absolutely dominant, was founded with a lot of money behind it, raised venture capital, and grew and grew and grew. And I can think of probably three or four other project management apps that were better at the time that, that Asana came around. So why did Asana become the dominant app? Well, because they had a lot of venture capital to grow. And then over time, they got their product up to the point where it actually was a market leader. It was as good as anything else out there, arguably. Obviously, everyone has their preferences. But product leadership does not necessarily become a necessity until you already have a whole lot of market share because you can buy a lot of audience and then improve the product over time. These are all cases where venture capital makes a ton of sense. If that's what you want to do, if you're playing the binary all-or-nothing winner-take-all game, then go for it. But in more cases than not, you are not playing that game. You might think you're playing that game, but you are not. If you have a restaurant, if you have a content website, if you have an app that helps people, you know, save time or you know, a scheduling app or an accounting app. There are so many markets and so many examples where there are lots of players. I'll I'll take a really simple one. Take like an ice cream shop. You want to sell ice cream or you want to sell coffee or baked goods or something. You can build a chain of restaurants that is 100, 200, 300, 500, 1,000 players. And you can have that many locations and you can serve lots of people. But guess what? I don't want to go to the same restaurant every single day, even if I love it. I'm going to go to this restaurant on Monday and that restaurant on Wednesday and a different restaurant on Saturday. And that's why you have so many companies that are very large and very profitable and that own restaurants, but there's only one Netflix. And arguably, there's a few other players, again, owned by conglomerates, but there's only one Netflix, there's only one Amazon, there's only one Facebook, there's only one Google. So that's why venture capital doesn't make sense in most instances Because you're not playing in a winner-take-all market. Now, let's look a little further. Let's look at the VC playbook. So if you are on the other side of the table and you are running a venture capital firm, how does the business model actually work? Now, we've had a lot of VCs on the show. I'm friends with a lot of venture capitalists, a lot of investors. So, And I like them. They're very smart. They're great to talk to because they have a really good scope of the landscape. So let's look at the VC model. The VC fund model is I'm going to invest in 10 companies. I know that five or six or seven of those companies are going to either lose money, I'll lose all my money, or I'll lose most of my money. Or maybe if I'm lucky, I'll break even. And then maybe one or two will return a pretty good return. And then one of those outliers is going to hopefully make up my entire fund and make all the money back you know and and 10 times or 100 times what i put in depending on what type of fund you are if you're a seed stage fund or a late stage fund a growth fund depending on what those metrics look like that is how it works which means if you are going to succeed in the vc game as a company you are the exception you are the outlier you are the one out of 10 that actually made it what does that mean for the other 9 this is something they don't talk about the vcs expect that 90% of their portfolio are effectively going to be irrelevant. And maybe it's something that you can make a good living at. Maybe it gets sold. Maybe you have an exit and you sell to some big company. You know, you're acquired by Microsoft or you're acquired by Salesforce. But at the end of the day, you don't really really don't make any money. Once the pref shares, you know, if you look at the way term sheets and, and VC deals are done, the VCs get paid out first at a certain multiple of what they invested in. You know, the, the loans get paid off, everything gets paid off. And by the time it's all said and done, in an exit that's not a great exit, the founders are left with little to no money. That doesn't always happen, but that's actually very common. I know a lot of folks who have had big, quote unquote, exits, you read about them in TechCrunch, and they really didn't pocket any life-changing money. So that's the model that a VC looks at. And as a founder, you should be aware of that. I'm not saying that you shouldn't raise venture capital for that reason. I'm not saying you shouldn't raise venture capital for any reason. I'm saying you don't need to raise venture capital to build a really great business. So what's the alternative? If you're not going to raise venture capital, what do you do? Well, you can bootstrap your way to a six or seven or eight or nine-figure business. I mean, you can really do it. When I say a nine-figure business, there are businesses doing 100 million plus in revenue that were bootstrapped. Now, that might've taken, by the way, 10 or 15 or 20 years or more, but you can get there. And in the meantime, you're running a very profitable and very fast growing business. So let's just do the math here real quick. If you're running, let's say you're a solo entrepreneur. So you own the business outright or you own the vast majority of the business, 80, 90% of the business, okay? And you do, let's just say, Three, let's say $5 million a year so that I don't kill myself on the math. You do $5 million a year in revenue, which, if you're doing a business that's growing quickly, let's say you're selling into the enterprise, so the average deal value for you is like $100,000 a deal. Uh, you know, $5 million is not that crazy. It means you're doing 50 deals a year or 50 deals over the course of, let's say, one year. And then in year two, you renew. 25 deals in the first year, renewed 25 deals in the second year. You got 50 deals by year two. You could play with the math. If you're selling smaller ticket items, then you can also do it. It just takes higher volume. But let's say you can bootstrap your way to a $5 million a year business. And let's say you're smart with your profit margins. You've read my tweets and you've listened to my podcasts on, on the numbers you should know. So you're, you're smart with the profit margins. You can actually... Have a business that generates, let's say, a bottom line of 20%. So $5 million on the top line, 10% of $5 million would be $500,000. So 20% is a million dollars. Okay. That means after you pay all your expenses, you pay all your suppliers, all your vendors, and you pay your own salary, you pay yourself a nice, healthy salary, whatever you think that is, you are left with $1 million at the end of the year. Guess what? When you've got a million dollars sitting in the bank at the end of the year, you can dividend a piece of that out to yourself. You can dividend it all out to yourself. I wouldn't recommend that, but you can dividend out to yourself 20, 30, 40, 50%, leave the rest in as working capital to reinvest and grow, maybe acquire other businesses or reinvest in your own business. And you are doing very well. If you can take a nice six figure salary and $500,000 in a dividend at the end of the year, off a $5 million a year business that you own, let me tell you something. You are doing very well. And here's the best part. Even if you want to go down the venture capital route, if you have a bootstrap business that you own that's spitting off that kind of cash, a million dollars a year, $2 million a year, $3 million a year, listen, you'll be there after a few years if you, if you work hard at it. Now, you are your own VC, You are your own VC. This is my favorite part. This is what people don't realize. They say to themselves, oh, well, I don't want to build a bootstrap business because I want to do something where I want to have cash in the bank to build it. You can do both. All you have to do is start something. You got to start today. You got to bootstrap it. You got to work for three, four, five, six years, get it to run really well, get it nice and profitable. And then you put operators in place. You take a step back. You take that big nest egg, that big pile of cash that you have in the bank or take a piece of it, and then you can start experimenting. You can start throwing in, okay, you know, I think I have an idea here. I want to start this piece of software. I want to start a SaaS app. I want to start an iPhone app, whatever it is. I throw a quarter million dollars into the deal because I am my own VC. I can I can seed myself a quarter million dollars. I know how to run a business because I've been doing that. And all of a sudden you are your own VC. When you go to raise capital from external investors, You've already got a business that's humming, that's investing capital into your side hustles, and now you've got your own VC effectively. So, this is why I say raising venture capital on day one as an entrepreneur for your first business. I don't recommend it all ever. I've talked about this. Your first business should always be a lifestyle business that pays for your life. That's a whole different topic. But if you are going to raise VC, it's much easier if you concede yourself and raise venture capital for something that is already kind of established. And then you've, you kind of call the shots because you were the first investor. You've already gotten it, making money. It's already growing. VCs are coming in to something much more proven. But I want to finish off with this point. Venture capital, in the most traditional sense, is designed for businesses that are going to be very, very large and that generally speaking are going to have an all or nothing outcome. And for that reason, you've got to think long and hard if venture capital is right for your business. I want to know what you guys think. Get me on Twitter at RealJohnDavids, R-E-A-L-J-O-N-D-A-V-I-D-S. Let me know your thoughts. What do you think about venture capital? Is it for you? Are you a bootstrapper? Let me know. I'll talk to you guys next time.